Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Precision Unloaded podcast, uh, episode 50, um, which apparently is some sort of milestone uh, for um, a small podcast like this that don't make any money. Uh, you're once again joined by Graham and Mark, your regular hosts, and we are also joined, once again, funnily enough, by Jeff from the Gunrack. Uh, he was in our first episode uh, just over two years ago, so we thought we'd... Um, have him for our 50th also so uh welcome jeff thank you and hello mark oh hello graham how you going not bad not bad you're um everyone's got their their uh, favorite beverage to drink while we film uh record the podcast and everyone's ready to go are they yep yep sorted sorted jeff will have some what are you drinking jeff you'd have some fancy um boutique expensive beer no, I would usually go for a, a nice whiskey at the summer night, but um, having a cut on my tongue at the moment, I'm not going to do that. So I'm just having a lowly beer. Why can't I draft? Uh, close enough. <laughs> what about you, Mark? You're on the zero percent. Yeah. Yeah. Ever since you become a. Uh... That's great. Alcohol My shooting's free. gone downhill. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, we'll keep touch on that later. Um, it goes uh, downhill regardless of what I do, but anyway. Uh, anyway, so again, this uh, this uh, episode is sponsored by Jeff from the Gunrack, funnily enough. So if you need any Boyd stocks, MDT, Area 419, a million other things from outdoor sports, go to yeah. um, the Gunrack website uh, or Facebook or Instagram or um, wherever. Uh, Jeff's personal page, maybe not there, but um, thank you, Jeff, for continuing to support our podcast um, when, when no one else will. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a real privilege to have you on board. Um, anyway, so not that you had a choice, but no, you're sort of forced. Like we get yeah. we get some t-shirts, it's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> um, so we'll, so this episode we're going to sort of talk over sort of I guess some of um, uh, what you know how the prog podcast has gone over the last couple of years and touch on some certain things on that um and then a few different uh shooting specific shooting related things over the last few years um but first we'll just do our normal sort of quick catch up um what we've been up to for the last uh, few weeks since we last spoke um jeff i believe you actually got out and did some hunting and shooting i did i did um the shooting part the practice part was good um I took a tank trap with me and we set up some 22 stages out to about 130 meters. Um, just a bit of planking and practice. Um, and then later on we did um, some longer range stuff, kind of 350 out to 700 with a couple of different props. Um, a few of us guys just kind of setting up some, some stages on the fly um, and running little courses of fire and yeah, practicing, giving each other feedback and what have you. Um, hunting side of things, not so great. Um, like, oh, I had a very frustrating couple of days. Um, I <laughs> shot a couple of animals in the end, um, so that's good. Um, I had three rifle issues. Um, so one being a, a case head separation on the uh, 6.5 Swede. Um, so I'm going to dial that low back a bit. <laughs> um, 
Because I've only used those cases three or four times. Yeah. Um, people never then, learn. No. Yeah. So, so my hunting rifle got sidelined from hunting. So what I had left was the 303 and my comp gun, which I'd, I'd never shot an animal with. So I was like, yeah, okay, why not? The 303, the zero was out three inches left, three inches high. Um, and when I zeroed it in summer, it was so far right that I couldn't shift the front sights over enough. Um, so yeah, so something going on there. But anyway, so that was a couple of misses. Funnily enough, one left and one high. Yeah. Um, bef- before I decided not to continue shooting at alive things with it. Um, and then my comp rifle, which was dialed in and zeroed, and did smack over a, a goat earlier in the day at a decent distance. Um, I I missed a fairly easy two hundred meter shot by like two point something mils. And I thought, man, I did not <laughs> underestimate the wind that badly, like that badly. Anyway, trying to diagnose it, um, Callum got behind my rifle and he's like, do you have any wind on? And I was like, well, I just, I didn't slip it. Uh, didn't slip the turret when I zeroed this morning. He's like, oh, okay, all right. Anyway, I got back behind the rifle, looked at the windage turret and it wasn't the 0.1 that I'd left on it. It was like 2.6 or 2.8 or something. And I, I can only guess that I'd I bumped the turret when I slung the the rifle, uh, walking between the side by side and, and where we were shooting. So, um, yeah, it was less than stellar, oh. uh, but made up for it the next day anyway. You got a few. Uh, yeah, yeah, just a couple of meat animals and uh, um, you know a couple of fellow and a few goats. Um, so happy dog with some goat meat and we've got some, some meat sorted for the, um, steel storm barbecue. Oh, nice. Nice. That sounds like a good time. What about you, Mark? Shooting pigs, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I guess with the 50th episode coming up, pigs decided to turn up again. So, and I had camouflage today. So, um, I got in the shower this morning and thought, oh, I know that smell. A sheep's died in the reservoir again. No, not again. Yeah. Oh my god! Did we talk so, about this on a podcast? No, no I don't I think don't so. Oh, so I was uh, so I was wandering around, you know, probably camouflaged of a rotting sheep smell. <clears throat> Not really, but anyway. Um, so today, I think, oh, you know, yesterday afternoon at three o'clock, shot two pigs. I got out to shoot at some goats, and standing next to the goats with some pigs, so I blew them away, and then. Today I had to race home to get something at eleven o'clock. I was going back up and right at the bottom, the silo at the bottom of the Tui Road. For those that know my place, um, there was five pigs right there. So I leapt out with the two D three and greased four of them. And I thought, oh, well, the other two will come back later. And sure enough, I got them on the way home tonight. So what's your tally for twenty twenty two now? That brings me up to one twenty four. One hundred twenty four pigs killed. Yeah, yeah. I'm at zero for this year. So, and then I came back down the track because I had to take the side-by-side home then take a bike up then bring the ute back. (laughs) And as I was coming down across the gully and I was in the side-by-side with no gun, was a huge light-coloured cream pig mowing into a goat that had been shot like a month ago. I was like, ah, but it didn't seem to be bothered. So I thought, oh, when I come back, it'll be still there. And that wasn't con. So it was a big pig too. Weird. Very light colour, almost 
cream the whole thing yeah interesting well let's anyway and um, what else have i been doing don't interrupt come on um <laughs> you've been not shooting deer let them run away. <laughs> yes. He keeps I sending know, me a yeah. photo of this deer hanging out by the one mile targets. <laughs> I was chasing sheep around the other day and I um thought oh, I'll just drive over a bit closer and but you it had gone through three paddocks, clipped about three fences in about thirty seconds and gone. So didn't mind the sheep, but it was certainly uh, not that happy that I was getting close to it, so I'm tempted to go up early Saturday morning. And have a look. Have, well, have yeah. a look and then put a bullet through them. But um, I've not shot... See, I've not shot an Ahatiti deer. True. They're, so you they're, don't get to take off the they're very, They're very rare. Although I'm saying that if cows with us... Cows. I mean, like, that one. That one's obviously by itself now because I've seen it a few times. And it, yeah. It's um, Nigel No Mates up, up in the back of there. So, yeah, other than that, on the, the gun front, nothing much happening. Uh, what have I been... Oh, I got my possum to... Do, 22 sorted out with some sling mounts um super cheap 260 old bucks for qd cups so that was great Bargain. i was just... all the shipping because the actual qd cups are about 14 bucks us or something for a pair or whatever but <laughs> the postage was the yeah anyway good one magpul with your backpacker stock with no Basically, it's just got plastic holes and nothing, not, not the actual cups in it. So, <sighs> anyway, you can't get them in New Zealand that easy either, can you? So, well, yeah, you can, you can just make them in about three minutes, but that's fine. Make them? Of course, you can. They're just really? got steel. Anyway, um, okay. good good work. Uh, um, oh, you would have to pay uh, import duties and everything on those. No. Oh, you, oh, oh lucky. <laughs> Mm. If it's under a grand, it'll, it'll yeah, it's, under, it's under a certain amount. It yeah, just goes straight through. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuel <Yeah. laughs> keeps it yeah. affordable. Yeah, that's why my drugs come in for nothing. Oh, you just make sure you import less than a thousand dollars worth of drugs at a time. Yeah, is yeah, that how they get right. around it? Ah, oh, I see. Uh-huh. I see. Well, if you register as a gang, it's pretty much legal to do what you want anyway. Anyway, Graham, what have you been up to? Practicing, I'm assuming, because that's all you do. Well, no, because I, I, we no longer, I no longer have a personal range, so. The uh, mm. the farm the runoff is sold, so I'm uh, having to travel inconveniently, like fifteen minutes or like thirty minutes to your house to shoot now. But um, but a little bit of practice, yeah. But um, but definitely not as much as I would like. But yeah, did a good session with um, uh, with a friend on Sunday, and then the weekend before that another one. So yeah, it's it's practice. Any shooting you'll just get, practice. Yeah, you'll get RSI. What's RSI? Repetitive strain injury. I hope so. And then just a bit of, um, <laughs> bit of trying to get a bit of ammo loaded up and stocked away in the cabinet too, so I'm not panicking before matches. Um, in the old days, it was called wanker's cramp, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but when you do that at a match, people get pretty upset. So yeah, they do. They, they your squad seems to not talk to you much either. So. Well, it depends what squad you're in. You know, oh, if you've got good squad mates, they're supportive no matter what. Um, how supportive how supportive (laughs) (laughs) literally um anyway so moving on from um mark and graham's masturbatory talk um so so again what was how long ago did we start the the podcast when was episode one it was a june june 2020 june 2020 duck i believe the night before duck opener um night after it was wasn't it 
It was June. It was night before you, you did your PSA. Oh, did it get released heaps later? Maybe. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, true. We may have recorded it where I will sh- take all that back then. Mm. So, it, um... <laughs> Duck shooting opening. Duck shooting opening. So, Jeff was coming down. Um, this was not long after lockdowns, probably. When did we get lockdown? Yeah, he was patient one in Taranaki for COVID. Yeah, so back back when, like, remember, we did all that stuff and we are going to, like, you know, um, beat it and it was going to kill everyone. Anyway, so we moved on from COVID. We started a podcast and um, was, <laughs> hopefully the audio is better this time than the first um, episode. Um, the first one was filmed in a... Well, we actually did film it um, and recorded the audio um, in, a, in a hut at the back of a farm. Um, we've since upgraded the microphones a bit um, and we now run it through sort of a computer program and we run it remotely, which is quite good. Um, we probably didn't... Yeah, we, we didn't... At the start, we weren't very consistent in recording because like, <clears throat> being rather Neanderthal-like with technology, we were... Um, me and Mark had sort of like make a time to go and record it at his house and like if we had a guest we'd have to get them to come to the house and then we'd end up going shooting and forget about it and um this was like like man we were doing sort of we're lucky if we got one out every two or three months so um obviously now we're doing it via the internet which is quite good and the audio is not too bad we hope the odd issue um but yeah any any thoughts on the start of the podcast Mark? Yeah, we were sporadic, and um, I had my doubts whether we'd have enough content to talk. But luckily, due to mild brain injuries, we tend to forget that we've repeated stuff, so we can actually just keep repeating stuff. Yeah, well, one day we'll um, talk about the, the the sheep in the reservoir, if we haven't already. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and because I don't listen to any of the previous ones, I can't remember a thing about what we recorded previously, so it all seems new every time. So If we get desperate, we can just re-release old recordings and hope no one gets yeah. it on. Yeah, the best stuff. Yeah, exactly. we don't, even t- don't even tell them. <laughs> Precision Unloaded Podcast selects. It's like oh, a yeah. select of our best episodes. Yeah, yeah. Jeff's greatest hits. How many have you done, Jeff? You must be four or five. I must be four, five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get a plaque no, when you get to ten. Position unloaded. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you get a you get a, you get a plaque. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a medal. Graham Graham likes giving out medals. Uh, you, uh, you get a legitimate one too, not like. Not no, like, not like your medals. Not right? not I haven't won a Taranaki long range shooting trophy or medal in any form, so I would accept. Are you on the? Well, speaking of that, are you well, on the honors board? You're in luck, Jeff, because we're going to give medals down to tenth. Well, well, I think oh, there we go. I think surplus steel <laughs> possibly might have prizes to third this year. Maybe. No promises. See Graham covering himself. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, he doesn't get round to doing well. <clears throat> no, because it depends. No, it's, just a, it's purely a budgetary thing for this event because it's going to be so expensive. But um, anyway, more on that later on in the year. It's cost me 140 grand already. <laughs> we'll talk, again, we'll talk about that another time in case your um, your uh, accountant or the IRD is listening. Um, yeah. Okay, so we will talk shooting, but we're just talking a little bit about starting the podcast, obviously. Okay, so what else about podcast? Uh, uh, I've got rid of some of my annoying ticks. So, so yeah. So what know. what should we have done differently from the start? Like we didn't know what. We were doing right. Uh, we just, sort guys. out your audio technology from the start. Yes, and and that 
that's a very good one. Like, obviously, you and I both have uh, reasonably good microphones now. We don't have the fancy mixing boards and, and such. And Clean Feed is awesome. It is a brilliantly simple recording tool over the internet. Yes. So. And so, yeah, but, but again, like, my microphone was like nearly $700, right? So, once you sort of. Com- what? Yeah. Is it an MDT one? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, supplied by the gun rack. No, it's a it's a road um, something cast thingy. Oh, yeah. And it's got like a boom. Nine out of ten parachuters use them. I think nine out of ten parachuters yeah. have a podcast. That'd be true. In, <laughs> or at least a shooting school. Um, yeah, so audio is a big thing. And I think maybe, and we're still guilty for it now, um, is having like a plan to the podcast. Like, like for tonight we've got a bit of like a... Um, like a, a stage notes to run through not stage notes <laughs> podcast notes um, we've even given Jeff a teleprompter yeah yeah mm. all, and, all his lines are written for him yeah <laughs> um, he, he's got so a turn uh, Jeff speak <laughs> I haven't heard any of the studio laughter or cues so I'm just waiting oh, don't he, no don't he'll start his fucking noise machine again <laughs> don't Mark I know you're I know you're ready to click on it um that's what we've done differently from the start. Got a different co-host. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I think... That would have, that would have fixed a lot. <laughs> but um, so yeah, we, we mentioned noise, stuff like that, planning the podcast. Um, I'd like a few more guests maybe from the start, but again, we didn't know really where we were going, uh, what we're doing, or how to do it remotely for a long time. Um, I, but I, I think one of, the, one of the things I like about podcasts is... Um, the less structured nature of them so it's probably not a bad thing to have a lot of um, twists and turns and um and different directions taken um i guess also i mean you've got a lot of learnings um as any new podcast would but like you said original podcasts were pretty infrequent so it's stretched over a longer period of time um whereas if you're doing them every couple of weeks back then uh you probably would have worked through the kinks a lot quicker yeah, well, it's taken us, what, over two years to get to 50. Um, we sort of average, what do we average at the moment? But 20 a year, something, whatever. 12, 24 a year, roughly, yeah. if you went two weekly. So it's... Um, It'll go with 26 there, go. Well, we don't do every... We're not that consistent, but yeah, it's... Oh, well, I don't know. Well, sometimes we get an extra one if you're lucky. Um, but, yeah, I, so I don't think it's too bad. Again, mainly audio and stuff, but we'll get... And there's still going to be fucking issues. I, I'm yet- Actually, I have a question. Is, have one of you guys been like clipping your fingernails during podcasts? No. No? Oh, okay. No, there was a, a clicking slash clipping noise that I noticed like in most yeah. in most episodes. Is there? <laughs> What's yeah. the fuck like fingernails? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So, like, some sort of genetic. What should we have oh, done differently? That was, my, that was my genetic mutant in the basement clipping his massive fingernails. Could have been running like a, a nail salon there. in, in the background. Yeah, watching ingrown toenail videos on YouTube while I'm pretending to talk to Mark. <laughs> so one thing we should yeah. do differently is not have clipping. We shall find the clipping noise. Yeah, and take his clippers off him. Yeah. I wonder if you've just got like a creaky table, Jeff. In your uh, reloading room, or something. I know because you drive. Mm. Anyway, anyway, so there yeah. you go. That's a thing. Um, <laughs> so okay, what what do you from this? Is, I probably more so Mark, but 
where do we want to see the podcast going forward in the future? So obviously this is not a business. It's just something we do for fun. Um, and so it's not as if it's like we need fucking make money and we need to grow the audience and we need to do this and that. Because like it's a limited audience. It's uh, Internationally, they probably don't really care what we're doing in New Zealand. They don't want to listen to our weird accents. But um, so, so what do you reckon, Mark? At Wayne Jeff, but where do you want to see the podcast going forward? And uh, the next few years, um, I see it as a f- format for me to learn shit because I can ask stupid questions and get answers. So I love having guests on. So and um, I think that's probably where we're trying to push to expand it wider to some more different guests over time. I mean, you know, present company aside, Jeff, I'd love to have you every week, mm-hmm. but Graham says that's not allowed. So um, yeah, not the sponsorship money is just not high enough to. Oh, true, Give good point. Slots, yeah. Yes. I'll, I'll work right. <laughs> stuff all still gets you stuff all. That's the... yeah. Um, so, I'd, yeah, probably just end up probably with a bit more episode structure, just a basic plan. We do have a sort of couple of slots that we do, what we've done, you know, in shooting type of thing at the start. But maybe eventually having a bit of a review of something or you know well yeah just expand it over time but a lot all that stuff <laughs> requires a lot more prior preparation so we tend to end up going with the uh lowest hanging fruit of just you know a general format and winging it winging it i suppose but podcasting lends itself to that because you're not actually running up to an ad break or running to time for the you know it's you basically can segue wherever you want and go as long as you want in terms of conversation so yeah it, it, it's open to and often and when we have a, a guest we go it, you end up going some directions down a few rabbit holes that are quite interesting on certain aspects of what they do shooting wise so yeah. yeah that's good too yeah i i agree with the um well, all of it but the i oh, like thanks. the guest and i'd I like some uh, we've got our like regular guys like obviously Jeff and um, Collie. Um, uh, I pretty much just assigned himself as the third host of the the show. But um, I'd like to get maybe a few more international guests, possibly um, around certain um, topics. Not necessarily like I'm not saying like you know the big the whoever the hottest shit on Instagram is when it comes to shooting at the moment. You know, but like um, maybe I'm aiming some... to get Ian, Ian from Forgotten Weapons would be. <laughs> That's my next one. That'd be... You could try. I don't know what you would talk about with him, though. Don't worry. Is it... Did did you see... I've surprised people before, and I'll surprise them again. That Finnish brutality, they did a sauna stage, and he ran ran the stage naked. (laughs) That was fucking (laughs) awesome, man. Like, like, everyone else is just wearing, like, their jockeys, and he just had, like, a... um, His armour on, because he ran armoured division. (laughs) It sort of had, like, a rough flap. That didn't do much covering his ass. <laughs> Legendary is how I'll put that. Um, and just going to bring it up, if you want to shoot like that at Surplus Steel, does not break any of our safety rules as long as you have safety glasses and covered footwear. Moving on. Um, but yes, it may be around. I'm quite interested in the IPRFA, International Precision Rifle Federation, I think it's called. The World Championship. Um, the, the, the first one was held um, months, two months ago. They're, so it's a biannual event, um, uh, you know, and it's a bunch of nations involved, da-da-da. But they're also doing a rimfire 
on the opposite year to the Cinefire. So next year in Italy there is Rimfire, and then uh, 2024 there is um, Centerfire in South Africa, and it'll go tit for tat as such. Um, I, I quite, I'm quite interested in maybe talking to one or two people out of that and seeing how they go about organising. Um, I, I don't know how, how, how it works, how they, they get their country involved, um, blah, blah, blah. New Zealand's a bit funny because it's not really clubs, it's um, private organisations do these events. So to align them with a um, international association and then I, I don't know how that would work. But anyway, it's just something that's interesting I thought we could, could talk to. And there may be some other New Zealand content creators, like talking to just one of our friends who that'd be you know who don't have maybe a um, don't do the online stuff. It's sort of hard for people to sort of know who they are, what they do. But if there's some other sort of hunting people and um, people who are good at shooting, it could be interesting to get on. Um, yeah, so I think there's I've got a few ideas there, and then and then yeah yeah I don't know stuff similar to what we've done but maybe just broadening it out a little bit over the next mm-hmm. few years in, in terms of broadening something that I'm really interested in at the moment is how people are getting into the sport because I I, know, I just get the feeling that we're not very far off from becoming uh, I don't want to say it but like it wouldn't be hard for us to become fads you know like we're we're super into our sport. We don't want to change our ways. And it's the same people all the time. Um, you know, it's kind of easy to fall into that trap and be like any other club. Um, so I'm so kind we'll of interested sort of be- in... We've become like a cult. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, you know, we're all stuck in our beliefs and uh, we'll drink the Kool-Aid if we're told. To who, who would be our cult leader? Mark, that's a good point. Uh, he could be—it'd uh, be like the Green Party. It'd be Mark and Simon. They'd be co-leads. Mm. Co-crazy <laughs> people. No, I sort of got the beard Jeff, right? Yeah, that's true. He's like yeah, the, but uh, he's the guy pulling the strings in the background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. And we're just the front man. Um, yeah, in, in terms of like growing the sport i'm interested in well a i'm interested in younger shooters getting into the sport and that's kind of what i'm trying to encourage with the um shoot we've got coming up but also in terms of people who might be guests i'm really interested in people who potentially there are people who've who are not necessarily podium finishers but who have made really big gains in the last couple of years um you know what what's been their journey i think that'd be pretty cool um and then also uh, females getting into the sport because uh, I, I think that's you know if we don't if the sport doesn't grow with the way um, the number of license holders or the representation in license holders is growing um, then we continue to isolate ourselves um, I was looking at a bunch of licensing stats today uh, or I was sending you guys some screenshots but one of, one of the things I saw was um, so of of all license holders, nine percent are female, um, but seventeen percent of first time license holders are female. So basically, um, uh, you know, of, of all the people who have become license holders within like kind of the last five to ten years, the amount of women entering our sports potentially has doubled, and I just don't see that at our events. I think the most we had was RTD Long Range last year or this year 
Who was last year? I think we had five. Is that uh, was three? Oh, five. Five, the most we've had, yeah. That's pretty good. Yes. But, but then it's sort of we sit around. Yeah, I think the last 22 round, we're Drops three. back to one. <laughs> yeah, we sort of, like if we get three, it's pretty good. Yeah. But your five was the, the, the standout number. Like enough that you go, oh, fuck, that's pretty good. Peak. But like that's out of like over the whole weekend, like the two days, like eighty something shooters, eighty five shooters, same. So it's like, wow, it's not maybe not that good, <laughs> but um, mm. yeah, yeah. But that's it. I mean, we're a bunch of dudes talking to dudes about other dudes doing stuff. So I don't know, maybe some some different voices. Yeah, uh, the, the, the 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 female interest thing. I've I've thought about it a lot, um, in a non weird way, um. We, as for a general rule of thumb, we're like, for me anyway, when I get into something, I sort of like think about it a lot and borderline obsess over it and try and learn as much as I can. But generally, females are much smarter than, and they'll sort of go, Oh, that's interesting, but I'm not going to devote my whole fucking character to it. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like, man, you go in my fucking, my, um, well, the wardrobe and it's like, just, I'm like, Phoebe's having to buy me clothes that aren't gun branded clothes now because I didn't have any. Like, all the shirts are like, you know, Saber Tactical, TLRS, Gun Rack, fucking, you know, Target Dynamics, whatever. And it's like, oh man, I don't, you know, you go out somewhere, certain things you maybe don't want to be branded up with. Um, pistol Club, for that matter, they don't like tactical style shit at the Pistol Club, right? So I've got to wear like, oh yeah. fuck, I've got no jerseys that aren't camo. So. <laughs> what, what do you wear like a, um, a muumu or a caftan or some, I don't know some orange overalls you know? a smock <laughs> a smock a smock you can dress the... as a cowboy but anyway that's, that's yeah. the handle there but like you know sort what I mean a, so maybe a monk do you dress as a monk when you go to the pistol club sort of a ascetic you could you could probably shoot cowboy dressed as a monk oh, yeah. anyway yeah, um, but that's but, but what I'm getting at is like they don't now, it is get, a strange cult you get you get females who, who are interested in the sports and stuff but again they don't devote as a general rule, the, the amount of time we do and then the, the study and the online bullshit, which is like 80% of shooting in this country is just like fucking around on the computer. But, um, yeah. it may, and I don't know, I see, I think there's plenty of um, people who are interested, but they don't, don't just care as much as, as us. And that, that's not just females, it's everyone's hunters or whatever. Um, mm. there, there is that boundary too, I guess, that like, man, I'd like to do it, but I don't know, or I'm, I'm they won't admit, but I'm, I'm, no, there is, a, there is a thick, yeah. There is a thick boundary between. I've noticed it with the people I've seen have gone from doing a lot of hunting, shooting, to getting into competition shooting, or the, this these type of events, and yeah, you can see them getting put off on the first event, probably, um, in a way, because it yeah, it's it's a bit of a brutal learning curve, and. Um, but then if they can get through that and just, you know, uh, what is it, <clears throat> take the wins, you know, on a start, you know, take the good stages and, and you get some pretty shit scores for a while, whatever, then they, yeah, they, if they can get through that phase, then they, then they start to really get a lot of um, satisfaction out of banging steel a long way off sort of thing, as, a verse, you know, as opposed to just shooting soft targets when yeah. you're out hunting. Yeah. So... Mm. Yeah, uh, and I, I yeah, I suppose it, I've been often surprised that man, the percentage of familiar faces is real high, you know, at the events that are hosted on my farm, and there's you know, new people, yeah, 
I think actually um, Bowser's Valley Brawl probably had the most new faces. Which was the yeah. worst event to be your first event? Yeah, I was going to say that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, so there was a people brutal. that I'd not, more people more people I'd not seen, you know, for a while, uh, you know, at all there. Then um, and that event was a shocker if you you wanted to get depressed about getting into the sport. So there's yeah. also the upside like it gets mentioned like oh man you always see the same people but that's also a good thing because it means people. No, no, are no I'm not saying that's. I'm not, I, yeah, yeah, I don't want any of those. Those new people can fuck off. You know? I, just, I just want all the regulars. <laughs> all my friends. I just want my friends there. Yeah. Um. God, I'm gonna talk to some person who's bloody. Oh, what's this there? Yeah. What's I, the MOA? MOA? Oh, shut up, would you? These I'm new people, to mates. New people turning up with MOA Fucking guns. New people. God. That's um, oh, right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Digress. I think. I think this. I think the center fire stuff can be. Far more intimidating than Rimfire. Yeah, yeah I agree. The, the distances, like you're like, oh, it only goes two hundred meters, two hundred meters in Rimfire, or a hundred meters in, in the in the Hunter class, or whatever. And then it's like, well, yeah, two hundred meters can still be pretty hard, but it doesn't sound as bad as oh, it's twelve hundred meters. Let's see. I, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I guess I'll give you an example. Sorry, Karen. No, no, go on, go on. Um, you know, a person we all know. I shall call him Naughty. Um, <clears throat> to cover his name but he, he's you know now got a good competition 22 and he's just saying tonight that, that you know he just can't believe how good that thing shoots and you know it just goes where the data says it's going type of stuff and it's improved his shooting measurably he said now you know he's just got a 2d3 build thanks to through jeff and he said you know i just did a bit of pest control the other, the other day 26 odd goats i think he nailed and he said you know I've gone from yeah, basically got you know the same old story. You've gone from being you know mildly disinterested if you miss to being super surprised if you miss now, sort of thing. So mm. with that and mm. and that's that whole because he does a lot of occupational shooting. It all fits in, and it, you know it's improved that, and now he's getting more keen on competitions. So that that's an example of someone who's gone from you know coming and seeing a few events as a spectator, I suppose as well, and then getting comfortable with how it all works and yeah I, it, he also yeah obviously just volunteered and was there watching events happen and people shooting and getting into it that way as well that's probably a, another thing is just coming along and seeing how it works rather than diving in yeah yeah that's um, a, a what you've described there is a much like slower easier ramp up into the sport rather yeah. than just showing up to an event and getting your ass handed to you by the wind in the distance <laughs> yeah 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 and yet we see you know talk about hunter class dying or type of you know those sort of type of classes just not getting the entries so mm. yeah oh and that's a, i mean a lot of people will go oh yeah i've got a really good rig I, I can hit a deer and whatever so i'm gonna go open class that sounds like a bit of me and that yeah. is that can be a rude awakening um like for very competent good shooters um who are good in, in what they do it's a different sport yes it's 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 a, it's a yeah yeah i i thought we've talked about before i i sort of see the maybe then maybe not the demand but the need in my opinion for a couple standalone um hunter style events we've we've played we're mm. playing with some ideas yeah uh, we've even played around with um a, a 22 one that would be all blind um uh, but anyway that's just a, an idea at the moment 
<clears throat> so moving on from that, um, so obviously the, the podcast is slowly improving over the years. We've got pretty good numbers for a small um, sort of operation. We've got a pretty good downloads. We get, we do get a few overseas listeners um, according to our statistics each month. So um, yeah, thanks for listening. For you know, do some, we ever get any feedback? Nothing major. Oh, some, a guy asked for pictures of that goat you shot, and then you altered the photo because you thought it was too graphic. Um, it's just stuff like that. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, okay. it's, it's not 1983. People don't really. They just listen to it and then listen to the next podcast. Um, you don't comment on people's like Joe Rogan's podcast, do you, Mark? No. You're just hoping you'll no, have no. it. You could go on Joe Rogan's podcast. You'll love it. I could, could I? Yes, yes. Obviously, I've uh, got plenty of interesting stuff yeah. to say to him. Mark, did you um, shoot 127 pigs in 10 months? Mm, like, mm, oh, it's mm. easy, Joe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so when we first uh, recorded episode one, it was a couple of years back when I had a lot more hair on my head and most of it was not grey. Um, we sort of, I think we we covered over our um, what our competition setups were, um, and then obviously things progress. Well, not for Mark, we'll cover that. Um, so back back a couple of years ago, couple couple of years ago, Jeff, what was just just briefly, what was your? Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll do centerfire and rimfire. What was your centerfire setup? Well, the thrust, yeah, the thrust of this is around things have changed pretty quick. You know, you think back to I don't know a 2019 event versus now the, the the type of rifles even and the overall yeah has, has gone up dramatically or it's leveled off as well in terms of everyone's running similar gear whereas you see it's a lot more uh standard looking rifles earlier on so anyway that's all the genesis of that what, you know what's changed in the last two year two and a half years and, and your own setup and your own setup yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, for me, probably, probably not as dramatic as all that. Um, Centerfire. Um, when we first caught up, I just recently built, not built, but assembled um, the Hauer two hundred and sixty AI um, Boyd stock area four one nine um, Arca um, Vortex PST Gen two and a knockoff Harris bipod. Um, and pretty much the only thing that's changed on that setup is the barrel shot out and I've gone to 6.5 Creed um, same barrel action etc um, and I've painted it and put a sky pot on it and some QD sling studs and that's about it for my center fire yep. and then so why do you go 22 to yeah um, so, so Creed for me was uh, it, it was a very practical decision. I did really enjoy the 260 AI. Um, but so Cassie was, was really getting Too into obscure. it. Too obscure. Yeah. Well, that's no. it. And they were building her fire rifle. So it was, okay, well, let's do two of the same. Same ammo, yes. same barrel yep. actions, everything. Um, yeah, just make our lives easy. Um, and, and to be honest, there's not a hell of a lot in it. No. <laughs> just, just cost more to get your bits yeah you're yeah. not gonna go damn it i wish i had the 260 ai i would have smashed it with that one yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then um, and then, and rim, then for rim the what do you have back rimfire on? um so i had 
the October before we caught up, I just made a massive leap from my JW15 to a Tika T1X. Um, again, in the same style <laughs> of Boyd stock. Yeah, that's Let's a bit of a leap. A, so. <laughs> horse and cart to a satin rocket. But anyway, yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so yeah, I haven't had much need to progress from that. My, I'm not um, out shooting my rifle, put it that way. Um, I've changed my scope um, from one without a zero stop to one with. Um, again, switch from a knockoff Harris to the Skypod. Uh, better suppressor. Um, that's probably about it. So nothing major though. No. Well, like the zero stop is a major because I've actually given away all my non-zero stop scopes. I do not own any anymore. I just my friends have they're all for free. Um, I just I, 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 they're just not worth having. But and um, sorry, but they, they have their place. But it's um, it's not on your rifles. No, it's just if you if you're like actively competitive or even hunting, like it's just a, this big risk to take, in my opinion. That's a um, yeah. Anyway, um, what about with ammunition? So you've with, this is probably more so around the the rimfire because you've um you've I imagine you're probably shooting very similar projectiles as you were in your six six fives. But with ammunition, are you shooting better rimfire ammo now compared to a couple couple of years back? Nah, <laughs> I'm still shooting CCI standard. Um, yeah, it's a yeah. <laughs> um, it's because I I shot um small war for a while and had a decent supply of it. Um, and then I knew some guys in the club who still had some decent supply of it, so I could get through them. Um, and it's shot pretty good in in all of my rifles so far. Having said that, I've just stumbled into a lot that is just like not working for me at all. So I don't know. Might be time to do it. Yeah, I'm certainly a fan of some. Oh, the, the CCI stands in a place like the Chris seems to like that the best accuracy and consistency and reliability wise. The Chris DMK, but um, well, the Voodoo, it's actually the, the projectiles are um slightly out of spec for the chamber, so they mm. they're a bit they'll chamber when you close the bolt. You can feel it um having to push the push it into that match Shakes chamber. Oh yeah, I don't know. It just seems to just like I think it just pushes the lands a little bit. <laughs> but it's, anyway, so hence why you you sort of stick to the better quality ammo. Not saying I won't shoot it, but um, I know plenty of people do. But yeah, okay. So Mark, so back in in twenty twenty, uh, I imagine it's going to be very similar to Jeff's style, but you were shooting shooting what for competition? There's more change than you realise, Graham. Um, so competition, I because I shoot production class, which doesn't exist. Um, I basically had the Tech Attack A1 still. Back then it would have had the Night Force 12-42 to 42 bench rest scope, I suppose they are. Oh, that's a terrible scope. Awesome scope. Oh, that's um, the worst. Excellent for moving targets. Uh, and it had the Magpul bipod on the front still. Great, so, great bipod. Great, excellent <laughs> Lots of flexibility for moving back and forth. Yeah. Um, and it's not quick to attach because it's an M-lock one. So, yeah, just leave it on. And that was really it. And then since then, it's had an Arca rail put on it. <gasps> Shock horror. Um, and the scope's been swapped out for an, a Night Force NX-8 4 to 
32, which is good, but not great. It's an MOA scope because that's how fast things change. Back then, I really only knew MOA, and I was like, this mill thing's a fad. Anyway, so that's the idea. So I'd leave it on, but because I'm running Teams events with it, I need to go to a mill scope, so so it's going to change. Yeah, so that's all that's changed with that, really. And um, the, the Carlos am, am is I, a huge... Ammo-wise, I was shooting... Ammo-wise, I was shooting... Hornaday... American, American yeah. Gunner. Yeah. Yeah, got 750 rounds of that and blazed away with it. And then now I've, I went to um, Sarko Gamehead Pro but that now doesn't really exist in stock. So now I've switched to Norma Golden Target, which is cheap. And it's probably the best cheap factory shit I've had. Probably a bit more consistent than American Gunner. So. Mm, yeah. Hmm. And that is that. So... 22 wires. Sorry? So before we go to... So you have talked about... So you're going to swap the Night Force out for the Carlos. The Carlos is... Yes, uh, yes, several yes. notches up. Um, but then you I finally got I got some thirty-four mil XTR rings, the Burris ones that have got the polymer oh. inserts for Kent. Because yeah. the Tikas are zero rail, yeah. Zero, yes, 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 yes. Okay, oh, cool. Oh, oh, no, no. Yeah. Um, and then you were talking also about maybe putting a suppressor on it for teams. Yeah, that'd be good. So I'd just take the brake off and put the titanium suppressor on it. Mm-hmm. Yep, excellent. And so rimfire, what were you shooting as your main rimfire gun back? Back then, I think I would have had the RPR. Oh, I, I forgot about rimfire. that. The, I forgot about that, yeah. That Ruger not repeating <clears throat> rimfire. It's, it's currently, it's lent to a mate of mine on a lend-lease agreement, and he's got a... Um, You're paying him to infra- keep it? An infrared scope on it, but because it's got a ridiculous 30 MOA cant, the old infrared scope, you can't adjust. <laughs> you can't get the zero adjusted to any reasonable distance so basically you've got to aim six inches below any rabbit um to hit it because we can't adjust it down you know or up whatever i can't remember so anyway that piece of junk is out of my hands so um, not saying now some do work but your one was particularly unreliable for extracting and feeding wasn't it yeah yeah like you give it a real good clean and it'd run for a packet and then start extracting with your fingernail <laughs> um, so then I brought a Chris DMK so that's, so that's been your main main competition 22 I suppose yeah Yeah. and then um, I got a Ruger 1022 competition which has also been my main competition gun so hmm. and uh, changes there I'm mucking around running BDX scopes on the Defiance and I think I've got an Athlon Ares BTR Gen 2 on the the 1022 competition. The 1022 competition is more accurate by far, but um, the ergonomics aren't as good, so, yeah. And, it, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit of a... I probably should use it. I'd like to change the stock, but as we know, those 1022s have got two action screws, and so virtually all the aftermarket stocks ain't built for them so modification anyway brilliant yeah brilliant yeah and what else a couple other competition guns have appeared since then maybe they'll never see the light of day oh wait I think I've got them 
There's a 6.5 PRC somewhere. Yeah, I think Carl's got that. Anyway, anyway. So as what? for <laughs> as for me, because you'll probably forget to ask. Oh, Graham. Yeah, sorry, I forgot to ask. So I would have. What have you done apart from put them back together again? Most likely been running the Bagara B14 HMR back then. Um, uh, so yes. is that a stock standard? Stock standard, B- yes. Yeah, Bagara six, stock and everything? Yeah. Bagara stock? HMR yep. stock. Um, yeah. 6.5 Creedmoor. Um, uh, just just basic as it would have had a Vortex Viper PST Gen 2. Would have been second focal plane MOA. Um, and then sort of since then it's sort of I've run a couple of different setups but current current setup is obviously it's a six uh Hauer, six mil creed uh mdt um acc chassis and a delta striker scope but yeah so, so but he, a little bit heavier and um, a little bit more specific competition orientated the the hmr was and still is i guess intended as a crossover rifle um, yeah i hunted a little bit with it at your place it's a, quite hefty in my opinion if you as a crossover rifle but um uh, people will argue that whatever um but yeah so again th- now the original that original um bagara got a new barrel uh, new chassis um it's essentially a whole new gun um, apart from the action and the bolt but um so that's my backup my backup sort of comp gun at the, at the moment so and then with rimfire i would have been running so you're, what you're saying is you're tending to use a six mil more? Uh, for kind of yeah, I, I like the six mil for the more just barricade style shooting. Yeah. Um, and then for the field stuff, I like where it was a bit more unsupported and um, or like the the wobblier props or you know the, the yeah, um, more practical stuff. I prefer the six five Creed more. Um, for some reason, uh, yeah. So it's a sort of and then so I can have the, the six five is a bit, is quite a bit lighter, and then the six mil is significantly heavier um, to suit the sort of different disciplines. Um, yeah, that, that's the idea. And going forward uh, with whatever I end up shooting next, it'll there'll be a similar thing. There'll be two different setups um, for the different styles of competition. Yeah. Okay. So, question for you, Graham: If I had a prize table with all the best scopes on it. What one would you pick off the table going forward for your competition gun? Uh, ooh, I would like a Carlos K525i, as you know. Yep. DLR. Uh, I know where yep. one is that hardly gets used, but um, <laughs> I actually I actually had it at my house, and I was like, this is fucking in mint condition, so I took it off and came back to you, because I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be the guy to put a big fucking gravel rash down the side of this thing. Like, yeah, that's, that's, too. that's all, I, I'll be happy, it's, I don't care if you scratch it. It's <laughs> a classic, classic gram. Yes. <laughs> gouged down the side of it um so, so yeah oh, well, then I, I guess same, same question to jeff then uh walk up to the answer. price table really yeah. god you guys well, you tell you prompt i will <laughs> i will say <laughs> this is funny that carlos is the worst represented brand in new zealand holy shit yeah, yeah. there guys yeah. i we even talked to the guy about it and he's like no i think we do a pretty good job advertising carlos and i was like but anyway um i haven't shot the news ice uh, LRPs, I would really like to shoot those. I haven't shot the new Vortex Gen 3 Razor. I'd like yep. to shoot that. Uh, I've, I've, I've mentioned to you, I think some of the Night Force options are getting a bit long in the tooth for the price. Um, but yeah, I, that, that would be my choice from what I've used. 
um, would be the the Carlos, um by a reasonable amount, actually. Yeah, yeah. Happy to say. No, no. It's just just an interesting question. Do you want to tell me what, your what, what what things will look like in two years' time? What would you be shooting in episode one hundred? Uh, I don't know. My wife probably would have left me by then, and I'll be broke. So um, I'll just be one of your guns. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, living in that living in that shipping container, <laughs> just living in the wool shed at your place. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then as for rimfire back then, I would have been shooting most likely my Tika, uh, yeah, Tika. Well, what are they called? T one X, T one X, in a sort of bastardized Gen one. Were well, they out then? Yeah, they've been out for a while. Oh yeah, true. true. I think must have been. I got it. I ordered Not, it. It wouldn't the, have been super long because I had to bastardized my void stock it was a t3 stock and you obviously had to have a bastardized mkt yeah. chassis well i got so it at the last the last seeker show i got it well i ordered it and come a week later so whenever that was anyway um end of 19 then yeah and so did it, uh, again they as they were advertised as fitting straight into t3 stuff which was not true um they then had the after aftermarket um companies had to modify uh, their tooling or their, their, their programs to allow both to fit anyway so bastardized uh, gen 1 lss which is fine because they they don't hold a lot of value to be honest they're pretty easy to get cheap and um i can't remember what scope i in it but now uh running uh 95 percent of the time the um i'm graciously sponsored a voodoo uh 360 um, oh, they must be cool. Have you shot one before? No, I've actually I've never actually shot a Voodoo. Yeah, it's pretty good. Strange. strange um, apart thing. from their terrible magazines, they're absolutely fantastic. So, um, yeah, like the Voodoo. It's I never imagined myself running such a heavy twenty-two. Now that I think about it, but um, it's it's very nice. Great trigger. It's got one of the Trigger Tech diamonds, which is like absolutely wonderful. Uh, and it's got a Delta Javelin, uh, five to twenty. Five, five, no, no, it's uh, four, to four and a half to thirty, aren't they? Yeah. They are. You are correct. Um, yeah, um, same as the striker, just one, one below. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes, a bit longer and not as quite as compact. Um, but funnily yeah. enough, the javelin has a far better um, short range parallax, etc. So if you if you if you're looking between the two for rimfire, go with the javelin every time, in my opinion. Um, and I thought it was an awesome belly scope when I got it. So yeah. Um, no, they're good. Aluminium, aluminium flip-up caps. Yep. Yeah. No, it's Out good. of the box. It's good. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the only issue with the with that scope is the eye relief is picky. Oh. It's, you've got to... Um, it's always something to Yeah, that, that's the one issue I've found. Other than that, it's excellent. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so the, the, the setups have changed. Um, although the Tika, I could still get the Tika out of the safe and run the Tika with no real problem. It's a good setup. So if you'd lend less agreement ended, what would you end up with? Uh, probably a lot less um, content for my um, Instagram. <laughs> no, I'm saying what 22 would you run? Uh, ooh, I'd probably put a new chassis on the Tika. Oh, yeah. Yeah. and um, So you're saying they've actually, they all fit now? Is that what you're saying? The now, Tika, yeah. T1X, yeah. So yeah. I'd, I'd probably get a, an ACC MBTA yeah. or maybe a KRG something but yeah i just i'd probably match it to my comp gun to a certain extent are there mags the usual tika affordability uh yeah i don't think they're expensive jeff are they they're like 60 bucks or 80 bucks or 
100 bucks. Maybe? Yeah, I want to say around 80 bucks. Like they're cheaper um, and more available than the Centifier mags. Okay. Yes. Right. And they, uh, I've got one that's overly worn from like 10,000 rounds, um, which now doesn't let's top round out a bit easy, but feed they feed good the all the experience I've had with them. Um, they've got that over the voodoo, that's for sure. You don't have to worry about rim lock and no pressure on the mag and stuff. Yeah. 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 And they're a, yeah. they're a nice shape for like quick mag changes as well. Yep. You can have it stowed on the side of the. Uh, your your chassis or stock with like a saber tactical um, mag holder so you have yep. it you drop you pull your mag down and you straight away just obviously let it go and you, you'll move your hand to the right or left depending and um, just pull the other mag down out of the holder and straight in it's a smooth um, fast way of um, changing mags on those little rimfire guns so which you with the voodoo is not an option to have well you probably could but having a big Full size ACIS, whatever it is, pattern mag ASPS. on side of the gun would be impractical, very impractical. Yeah. So, big, yeah. Yeah, so the, with those, I'll run a holster right on my hip, so the mag change isn't nearly as quick, especially in the prone. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's that. But good option still. You, you, um, I wouldn't panic about running a Tika or a CZ. They're still absolutely fantastic firearms. All right, that's good. Good, good segment there. Moving on, uh, Graham, what's your favourite hunting or rifle or or hunting item or accessory from the last two years that you've um, picked up or that's changed the way you do things? So I don't hunt nearly as much as I would. I call most of what I do pest control, and it's no secret. Um, what do I like the most? It's all hunting. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just depends. You only have a problem with it if you don't get to do it. Um, yes, uh, that's right. It's not mine, and and but it's the thing that's impressed me the most has been the pulsar accolades. Ah, oh, yep. Um, for hunting and well, again, hunting pest control. That's a good point. That those things. God, they, they during, are, the day, during the daytime, I feel lost without them. I hate the term <coughs> game changer. Like it's so overused and stupid. It's such a buzzword, <laughs> but they are a freaking game changer, man. Like, yeah, yeah. used it. Yeah, and um, I'd probably say that. And then, um, yeah, again, most, yeah, I'd say that that'd be the thing. And then I haven't used it. So much. for those who don't. Pulsar accolades are a binocular thermal with a Sorry, laser laser rangefinder, yep. and they're um yeah not yep. that that, w- that would be my pick for the for the hunting sort of side. Of it. What about you? No, you can't choose the same one as me up. either. You can't choose the same one as me. I was going to talk. Jeff Jeff goes next. Oh, Jeff goes Jeff. next. Yeah. Okay. Um, can I pick two things? Yep. No. Shit, yeah. Oh okay. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Pulsar <laughs> accolades. Oh wait, shit. Um, the, okay, so the two things, pretty much actually the only two things I've changed on my hunting rig in the last couple of years, um, but I've been very happy with both changes. Uh, one is switching from a BDC non-dialable scope to the Element Optics Helix 4 to 16 uh, first focal plane. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds like a native ad. Yeah. Hey, don't you sell those scopes? <laughs> well, don't <that's> you <laughs> mention it. <laughs> Yeah. Very affordable price, yeah. and if you use yeah, especially well now. Well, not really. Um, <laughs> yeah, Sorry, um, yeah, on. do get in touch. Um, no, um, no, that's been great. It's really it's brought my um, my hunting um, 
target engagement in, in line with, with my competition target engagement and, and how I manipulate the rifle and the scope. So, uh, I don't know. It, it just lends itself to a lot of kind of crossover training or practice or, or just being com- comfortable on the gun because I don't hunt a hell of a lot. I don't train or shoot comps a hell of a lot. So, doing a That's bit of a both super means, good point. Yeah. It's a very good point because I find myself all the time now if it's a hunting gun and I can't dial it, <laughs> just like, ah, don't like that scope anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. It just seems like such a pain in the ass. If it's got a BDC, it's like, oh, yeah, I can muck around in Stralock and, you know, play with the zoom and get it sorted out and get that in my head for, you know, for the BDC holds. But, yeah, I can, uh, yeah, I definitely agree. Having a, a dialable scope on pretty much any gun you're using regularly yeah there's a big mm. especially hunting yeah do you, do you think yeah. sorry yeah. real quick do you think like dialing scopes have become far more acceptable in hunting compared to five six years ago like with the vx5s and whatever you know what i mean like they back it's oh been, what are you bringing that for three yeah you know what i mean but now it's like <laughs> but now it's like man it's fucking it's just real normal to have a some form of basic dialing scope on you whereas previously once that really shitty zero that had been applied to that gun was set you did not touch those caps with fear of wrecking everything but now it's quite standard to just click it up and yeah. and then gut shoot an animal at 500 metres <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway sorry Jeff carry on carry on your number two item uh, uh, my, it better not be something item. it better not be something you sell <laughs> oh damn sorry <laughs> The element light rings. <laughs> Which are good, anyway. Oh, okay. Can I choose three? Can I choose three things? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, actually, the second thing I was going to say was the uh, Backlands bipod. Um, yes. And, I mean, it's, uh, everyone everyone knows what's nice about them, but I think what really, what it changed for me was the balance of my rifle. Um, and also, because the scope I went to was heavier, having put that bipod on I, I still overall the um, package weight reduced by a quarter of a kilo um, so yeah so it's, it's balanced nicely now and is you know roughly the same weight that it was before so yeah I've been really happy with that change excellent so Mark you only get one thing yeah Hunt, I know and I, I guess the, tri- the trigger stick I've had for eons so I can't keep bringing that up again um I'd say probably the number one hunting item would be the version 2 BDX scopes. So, especially the 3 to 18 that's on my 223. So, the SIG, the original version, the version 1s, the glass is pretty average. So, they're not, I you know, not first hole, no light, blah, 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 whatever. Whereas the, the BDX 2, version 2 scopes, the glass is significantly improved and just and the software's improved a lot the app on the phone's improved and just um being able to use that especially when i'm culling basically you know you can range up a hill and put on everything from 200 to 500 meters or 400 meters however far the top of the hill is so when you start shooting them and they're going up you can basically just keep holding over and using the dots for the distance you know and for, for landmarks you know so all that sort of stuff yeah so I think for hunting, the BDX scopes have been my best thing for the last couple of years. 
Okay. The new the new version. So what <clears> a new what, generation? Yeah. So you how many, real quick? How many Sig BDXs do you own? <coughs> One. No. Oh, okay. Five. 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 <laughs> Jesus. All right. So so well, the, f- the first one I got was a six and a half to twenty. That was the original one. That's sitting on the the Hell's Cannon. Um, which God, that thing hasn't seen the light of day in a while. And then. I got a, is it a four to fourteen, four and a half to fourteen, or something? A smaller one that's on uh, two seventy. Yeah, and then once the version twos came out, I've got a couple of those, maybe three, <coughs> for various uses. Okay. Yeah, 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 no, you don't need to justify it to me. Okay, no, so, no, no. so, so well, well, we're well, we're asking you. So, um. Again, in the last couple of years, something you've sort of got that's uh, for precision related, be it uh, the prone, extreme long range stuff, the rimfire, or the centerfire competition. Um, what's an item there? Kestrel HUD. You're a real tech guy, aren't you? Um, yeah. Yeah, you got the HUD. Yeah. Well, at the back- I haven't. I haven't used it a lot, but as, as soon as I have, I, I think it's awesome. So. So can it receive text messages? Uh, plays video, <laughs> so I can load my entire porn collection on it and play that back your, while your, I'm shooting. Your porn collection is just twenty seasons of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. True. Yeah. Well, you know. So no, that's that's my number one thing. Um, I think I, yeah, I'd always I didn't even know they existed, and then I was like, God, it'd be good if this thing. Oh, oh I, I still don't. What what are they? Sorry, okay. Apologies, Jeff. Uh, for those uh, Luddites out there, still with their horse and cart. Um, with their so paper and hut is, basi- is basically a display that goes on the arc- on the um, the pick rail of the gun below beside the scope. Okay. And it can show you multiple targets or one target with all the data and everything off your Kestrel. Yeah. Okay. Are they those um, like LCD screen type things? Yeah, Kestrel yeah, Hutter. Yeah, cool. so so you, yeah. you can have it so like you laze your target and that'll talk to your yeah. Kestrel and then that'll automatically log them onto your things. So you can just laze target one, two, three, four, five and it'll give you a list. It's it's, it's cool. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're the same issue of having a lot of stuff off on your gun. But, um, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's, I'm, su- I'm surprised they'll, they'll probably release the next one. It'll have one of those digital levels in it, too. So you don't need to have Damn that. Damn it. I was going to say, well, if you have that and your your own personal timer and your digital level. Yeah, oh, it has a timer in it, too. too. That's oh, it cool. Does? It's okay, got a timer. Two and one. Yeah, it does have a timer. Yeah. Okay, so Jeff, yeah. Jeff. It's just kind of learning how to operate the whole thing is a. The timer was one thing, one step too far at this stage. So, so right, sorry, yep. So, Jeff, same question mm-hmm. to you, sort of uh, precision-related item. Okay. Uh, well, well, Mark, two things there because you did the casserole hud and the timer. Um, so I'm it's got a timer in it. You don't sell <laughs> either. Of, you don't sell either of those, Jeff. So they can't be. Here. No, but I do sell both of the things I'm going to mention. Um, <laughs> Shmi- one's a might, medium, I guarantee it. He, he might no, it's not. It, it's, um, a tactical grapefruit. It's, uh, it's not even out yet. It's not even out yet, yeah. Um, actually, no, playing with that has been awesome. I should have mentioned that, but it's not what I wrote down. Um, <laughs> no, um, no what, what I have done in the, in the bag area that's been quite different for me is the OG Game Changer, which is a step up in size from the Shmedium. 
Um, but it's lighter than this medium by a, a ah. feather. Um, but it's it's the first like kind of big gamer style bag that I've had, and shit, it makes a difference. Um, just like sinking it into the middle of a tank trap or something like that, you just create this totally stable platform. So that's been cool to play with um, for the, all of two weeks that I've been using it, three weeks or whatever. So do you like uh, it more than the Schmedium? Mm-hmm. I haven't personally run a Schmedium because they sell out so damn fast. Oh. I can't get one. For I was going to say because if you like it more than your Schmedium, sell me your Schmedium. But there is no Schmedium. <laughs> no, there is no Schmedium to sell. Sorry. Um, no, I mean those have been. Um, like really really well received and if i had one in soccer i would have been using that yeah. um yeah it's pretty pretty close in, in size but it's got a nice heavy fill so that's that's not going to move around much um and then the other thing i was going to say um which is uh, a bit older than two years um but i've only been running it for the past like probably a year and a half as a skypod um which uh, compared to you know the knockoff Harris, is just your your angle options and your versatility and height is just incredible. Um, yeah, so that, that's been really good. And also running on Arca, being able to go backwards and forwards along the length of your your forehand is yeah. just um, really really flexible. Yeah, Arca is probably one of the probably just for an overall change that's just sort of stuck and has made a big difference is, is quite major in it Arca it's been fantastic um, especially with all the well not that we're leading to mine we don't really use not many people clip into tripods anymore and stuff but bipods and different bag setups and, anyway. yeah that fat, that fat ended quickly but, yeah. uh, so, you know so my one uh, is going to be funnily enough is like running a, a gamer plate style um, on top of your tripod so uh, that's super recent Graham well it's been going on overseas for a while I've only started oh, doing no, it no, like no, about no, four no. months ago but um, carry on thanks Mark um, <laughs> but yeah just so instead of clipping in just so I actually what I started doing was running my bag just um, over the the head of the um, the tripod which wasn't ideal but it sort of worked and then just if you, you had limited time to, to employ the tripod um, but now, yeah, we just I've sort of made several different designs of plate. Um, you can buy them, fun enough from Jeff. Um, but I'm just playing around with different designs and to what suits my exact need. And um, yeah, so and then just running your um, uh, various types of bags on top of the tripod plate, and then you can sort of manipulate the bag to give you different heights. And it's, I think it's a quicker option, and it also um, gives you a, f- a few more uh, ways of dealing with the, the scenario rather than being like forced to adjust the legs to an exact height um, you can mil- use the turn the bag 90 degrees and get a bit more height out of it or something so I quite enjoy that and for accuracy I seem to be able to get the same accuracy clipped in as um, uh, using a bag on the tripod so yeah that, that'd be the thing I've it's probably more yeah like I said more recent but um, it's quite an interesting way of tackling a, a stage where you do run a tripod and you've got limited time to deploy it um, like Simon and I ran a loophole the other day it was so it was you'd look at it this it was like a tree I think it was mentioned on the post but like nine metres away big I know some fucking native 
tree and a couple small tiny little windows in it and we sort of like joked around like man we should like loophole for that next thing we'd planned a stage and um yeah so setting up that tripod quick and then engaging is fun, is fun but it's um yeah so that that's that'd be my choice anyway that's good graham because I'll, I'll take that to the next level once jeff sends me my plate for the top of it and you, then so you've, got, you've bought on uh, the way i've got a, a apex premos apex heavy duty trigger stick tripod coming which is just with one trigger pull can you has it got arc it's on gonna it? be great you do whatever you want so you could run a clamp or arca uh-huh okay that's pretty cool um i'll lease it to you no i'll just write them out on the rules Ah, like BDX scopes, damn it! Yeah, that's coming. That's coming. No, uh, well, if it, if it does, you will wait for the retaliation. <laughs> you just kick us <laughs> off your farm. Holds all the cards. <laughs> no, no, no. If you want to run those with their terrible parallaxes and um, zero wind options. Oh, here he is. Yeah, he's trying to. Oh, well, you go and run it then. Eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's when you start winning, like dominating with them, then we'll have it's it. It's reverse psychology. Good work, girl. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but yeah, um, so other than that, so um, so that's the, the last couple of years, roughly, right? Obviously, it's not in depth, but no. um, so uh, we'll just sort of one last sort of bit to finish off the podcast in ten minutes, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. But so upcoming events, we're not going to talk about all of them. There's a bunch, but uh, the next event for us is hosted by none other than Jeff. Coincidentally, so Jeff, do you want to talk us through? your next event what it is where it is when it is and how it is cool sure um so <coughs> excuse me uh event coming up is steel steel storm um the name uh comes from the storm that yes. we shot in last time ah. uh hopefully not as stormy um so if if you came to the nine lives match or saw the stuff on social media um what we did in that match was quite long range um for a 22 shoot um our max distances were like even even like the hunter style class was a couple hundred meters and 300 meters for practical slash open um so dropping that back quite a bit um and we're focusing a lot more on man-made props um and you know faster um more movement um higher round count and 12 stages total yes there will be mag dumping um so we've got seven out of our 12 stages are man-made props and that compares to last year we had 10 stages with four not last year earlier this year um four man-made props and the one natural prop being the one tree in the one paddock um would and having some woman gonna... woman made props improve get more women to the sport? Would it? No? Yes. Uh, or are they all man made? Can you? Ex- well, I'm the person making the props. Can you explain? Oh, well, can you explain a woman made prop, mate? <laughs> I don't know. I can't. It's not my place to describe it. <laughs> Without offending, I, how I would that, I that's know? Probably best you haven't though. lived that experience. <laughs> my choice anyway carry on <laughs> all right i'll shout um so 
what we're going to do is um, so we we had two ranges last time range one range two um, with a bit of a walk between them um, oh, that's and sucked. range yeah. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to eliminate that walk I mean it wasn't that Woo! bad kind of hold um, fence well we're going to move range two forward into the next paddock so that will shorten the overall distance on range two um, and it'll also good. bring everything into one straight line and range one and two can face each other <laughs> yes <laughs> um what else can i tell you yeah so we've reduced our average distance by about like kind of 10 to 20 meters um yep. but the top end of that has really come down um the vents um classes we've got three classes one being um well, practical and unlimited which are pretty much like practical and open for tlrs and gpre shoots and then we have our skills um divisional class or whatever and the idea with it is it captures the kind of hunter class stuff that we do, um, but it also captures new to the sport shooters who might have what would other be an open class rig. Um, and the idea being that, you know, we're capturing a lot of newer shooters from up in Auckland and Waikato and from different sports. Ah, so we don't want gear, to discourage no them by. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So we don't want to throw those guys in the deep end. Uh, and no, I mean, no. you know, like we discussed before, you know, people going, well, my rifle's capable, I'm capable in what I normally do. Um, and then they have a bad time and don't come back. So we want to avoid that. Um, and yeah, and actually, uh, one thing I should mention with the average distance reducing, and we're using the same size targets. So in essence, your, your target size becomes a bit bigger, um, relatively speaking. So overall, it should be um a better time for competitors than it was last time um not as punishing um and one tip is that we will have um i still need to build the barricade for this um we'll have we'll do the prs skill stage two and that will be our tiebreaker um so if you want to figure out what that is and do some dry fire practice or practice on a range somewhere um that could help you out Excellent. Oh, oh, when and when? Sorry. Yes, where and when? Who and how? October thirtieth, which is a Sunday. Um, That's a uh, change because it's original. Yeah. Yeah, it was originally the Saturday, um, but there's Seeker Show, and that's apparently a thing that people want to go to. So, do that on Saturday, and then come treat with us on Sunday, Um, and that also means I get to set up on Saturday, and it's in Waikato Valley, um, which is. Just about an hour north of Hamilton, just about an hour south of Pukekohe, um, slightly west. Awesome. And um, have you got a few spots free still? Yeah, we do. Um, so if you go to gunrack.nz, um, it'll be like one of the first things you see is match entries um, with the yep. Steel Storm logo. It's, it's pretty obvious. Um, otherwise, check us out on Facebook. Will we be getting a cool sticker? Yes. Yes, because I have a yep. spot on one of my cabinets for your stickers you've been making for the last year. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, good. no, there will, there will be match stickers, and if you want to purchase one, there are match shirts that you can get with your ticket. Is it going to have the killing thing on it again? Uh, no. <laughs> Excuse me. I did think about it. Uh, so, County's Custom Killing have, um, so they do all my um, 
butchery of of the meat people, I bring home from elim- hunting. Elim- el- eliminating others. <laughs> yeah, they do all, yes. the, all the cattle you rustle when you come to The contact killing, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, so, so they actually did come on board as a sponsor, but I only asked them after I designed the t-shirts. Um, and then we did have a few other sponsors um, jump on as well, a couple more that we'll announce shortly. Um, and honestly, the t-shirt design was getting a bit difficult, so so no. Yeah. <laughs> I like the shirt, it's good. No, that's cool. Um, so when you say, what's so do roughly max distance, what are we talking? Okay, um, so I haven't um, fully done my course of fire, but I did have a quick look on Google Earth, and obviously I, mean, I, I know the range is out there. So on, on range one, I think we're going to be between about, we'll have some close stuff, like 15, 20 meters, um, up to a max of 115. Um, and then range two will be between probably about 60 meters up to a max of 170. Um, so you, you may, you, you're going to mm-hmm. stop at the, at the bank on the opposite side of the flats there. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, if, yeah, I might chuck up a, a one or two targets like further out um, if a stage allows for it and if it's convenient um, and if the weather's looking kind of good. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I, I think 170 and we'll we'll make the challenge be the props and the movement and the speed um, because if it's distance and you get screwed by wind, then, um, yeah, it's not a fun day. Mm. Yep. Nah, cool. That sounds uh, awesome. But uh, that's sorry. That that's for both classes. Obviously, the um, the skills class will be closer in than that. So skills, um, more prone and that kind of thing, and, and less of like the the highly the sort of the barricades and stuff, or just a bit slower times for them, or, or what? Um, so what we did last time was we essentially wrote one course of fire um, with different targets. Um, so all you did was your, your skills guys would have targets one and two, and then your practical guys would have two and three. Um, and then the times were the same, um, all the movements and barricades and stuff were the same. Um, so I want to do a similar format, but what I will do is I will increase time for skills. Um, cause I think we were a bit harsh on that. Yeah. For real green shooters, the, the, harsh times can be quite a um you know because like, you get out and you deploy your bipod right yeah oh, you fuck around you oh you've got to click one leg up and then they start shooting in time and like, oh wait a minute yeah <laughs> and whereas you've done it before you sort of you know, like, oh, you can get into position and start shooting in like eight seconds or something but yeah so it's interesting um balancing act to find in it between um catering for new shooters and experienced shooters but anyway yeah um, i digress no it sounds like it's going to be fun uh as mentioned in previous things i don't go north often so um take something cool so we'll be i think i think there's a several of us from taranaki coming so we'll be heading up and um competing so if yeah like as as, as jeff said if you want to purchase a ticket and you haven't already go along to the gunrack dot nz dot co dot nz yeah uh, nz it'll it'll pop up easy again or follow the links through instagram or facebook directly to the website and they have a modern way of purchasing tickets they're not uh, archaic like us um yeah and 
yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be really, really fun. And like you said, hopefully the weather is slightly more forgiving than last time. And I heard a, I heard a rumor that you're dropping the uh, drop a stage rule, the mulligan. Yep, yep. Well, that's it, really it not good It didn't have for the me. desired effect. Yeah. Yes, it did. I, it was gave... perfect. <laughs> All it did was make... Yeah. The only thing it changed was me from like fourth to first. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> it's being retrospectively dropped, Graham. Oh, oh, so do I lose my victory? Yeah. Oh, shit. I'll send the medal back. <laughs> yeah. It already we'll get it, re-en- we'll yeah. get it re-engraved for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Um, no. Cool. It's going to be fun. And um, All right. Yeah. I think that about wraps up episode. It concludes 50 episode fifty of the Precision Unloaded podcast. And we shall. Yeah. See you all later. So we'll again. yeah we'll talk. To, uh, you'll hear so, us in a couple of weeks. Probably have Collie back on talk about some Aussie stuff. Um, <gasps> yes. We've got a big so- th- He shot a thylacine. What? Collie. What did he shoot? In Tasmania. A thylacine. What's a thylacine? Ah, uh, work it out. It's fine. Um, anyway, um, yeah, but he's done a couple of comps over there the last few months we haven't talked about. And then we'll probably look at maybe something hunting orientated for episode 52. Just to yeah. keep it a bit different. Um, but yeah, thank you, Jeff, for coming on. Thank you, Mark. We've ended up recording this in the middle of the bloody night. But um, cool. Uh, yeah. Thanks to me. Thanks, thank to, thanks to Mark. Um, but anyway... <laughs> Uh, yeah, we will. Uh, you'll hear from us all again soon. All right, bye.